Have you ever seen fish in a lake or stream or beheld the beauty of a vibrant aquarium? Whether they live in the great outdoors or in your living room, these freshwater fish survive the flood. But how? Well, we'll tackle this question today. It probably required supernatural activity on the part of God to superintend the unusual event. This is Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal. I'm Chris O'Brien with the Institute for Creation Research. The great flood of Noah was brought about as God's judgment on severe wickedness and sin. The Bible tells us that it was a worldwide catastrophe. Genesis chapter 7, verses 11 and 19 say, The same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened. Waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth, and all the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. So, how did freshwater fish survive without their pristine environment? Stay tuned for the next 15 minutes as we discuss this perplexing question and see God's hand of protection in His creation. Dr. Dennis England is professor of biology at the Master's College. He discusses God's handiwork in the creation of fish. When we talk about fish, it's quite interesting. God has shown his complexity and his simplicity at the same time. God creates everything in patterns so that our finite minds can get hold of them. We can see the patterns he's created, which gives him honor and shows his design and creativity and his intelligence. But at the same time, it leaves room for his complexity. Anybody can recognize a fish if they see it, but at the same time, fish have a great deal of diversity. They have all the different patterns of reproduction. They have different patterns of sustaining themselves. Some live in fresh water. Some live in salty water in the sea. Some live in between. They live in estuaries and brackish water, and some go back and forth between the ocean and fresh water and from fresh water to the ocean. So we've got a lot of variety there. But what about freshwater fish in particular? What kind of environment do they live in today? First of all, a freshwater fish lives in water that's very, very dilute. It's much more dilute than the body fluids of the fish. Just to give a little perspective, it's been estimated, and in fact you'll see this in most ecology books, that the water on this planet, that about 97.25% is in the oceans. About 2% of the water is in the ice caps. About 0.7%, now that's less than 1%, is in groundwater under the ground. And all the other water, including rivers, lakes, the atmosphere, and in soil, is less than 0.05% of the water on this earth. But we know that these freshwater environments are here, and these, these fish live there. So just how would these fish have survived the flood, when the oceans grew and covered the land. We don't know exactly what the waters were like before the flood. I would guess that there was a moderate salinity. Many assume, anyway, that there was heavy salinity like the oceans today. But we don't really know that. We know that the waters came up from the deep in the course of the flood and perhaps brought a lot of minerals up with them. A number of creationists are thinking this way today. Dr. Ken Cumming is a professor of biology at the ICR Graduate School. He talks about freshwater fish during the flood. What kind of water were they covered with? Was it fresh water or was it salt water or was it a mixture of salt and fresh water? I'm inclined to think that it was a layered kind of 
phenomenon, at least during the first stages of the flood, that when the fountains of the deep erupted and when the rain fell from heaven, there was just lots of fresh water that came down on top of the sea surface. And eventually, uh, this fresh water, because it's less dense than salt water, would pile up as a uh, surface layer. My guess, under those conditions, would be that the freshwater fishes would have been able to survive in that freshwater environment for a period of time. However, during the flood, the surroundings kept changing. What would you do once the wind started to blow? After the rain fell and the dewatering phase of the earth took place, when the water was coming off the earth, the enormous winds that followed, according to Scripture, would have had a sufficient effect on the stratified water to stir it up and perhaps mix it all the way down to whatever depth the fresh water was and so make all of the ocean waters fairly uniform in salinity or salt content. So what might happen to a freshwater fish in this environment? Well, there's an interesting phenomenon, and that is that quite a few types of fishes are capable of regulating their output of urine, such as they can excrete some salts, say through their gills or through their kidneys, and they can regulate how much fluid is retained in the body so that they don't get dehydrated or get bloated from too much water in the, in the body. And some of the non-freshwater types of these fish are quite common. We see that today in the salmon kinds of fishes. The salmonids, as the group is called, whether it's trout or salmon or kingfish or whatever the type of salmonid that you might have, all of those fishes have the capacity to regulate their ionic content, the salt content in their blood. And they are called anatomous fishes for that reason. They are able to move from an ocean environment where it's very salty up rivers and streams where it's very fresh water uh, with very little salt content uh, up to the headwaters where it tends to be very sterile. However, some freshwater fish take the opposite route. In like manner, other species of fish, such as the eels, they move from fresh water out to salt water. And in that process, they reverse the process. They're able to go from little salt content in their environment to lots of salt. And they're called catadromous fishes. They move the opposite direction, downstream, out to the ocean. And then some species of salmonids go up to the freshwater, migrate back to the ocean, year after year as they come to spawn. Dr. England. So that means that they've got to be able to switch off and on the DNA to produce proteins in their cell membranes to at one point pump salt out of the body when they're in a salt water environment because their body's taking in too much salt in. Then they go through the brackish water into fresh water. Now they've got to pump salt into the body because they're living in dilute water. So those fish have to have the DNA for multiple uses. And as they move from one environment to the next, they have to modify and go from one protein to another in the cell membranes. And the ability to adapt to different amounts of salt in the water is something the Creator put into these fish. Now, the word adaptation is used, which has dual meanings. To an evolutionist, it means evolution. To a creationist, however, it means taking advantage of the diverse DNA God gave them so that they could meet different challenges under different circumstances. So God in His grace knew all of these things that would come about, these environmental hazards. And so 
So he created all life forms with this DNA already embedded at the initial creation before all the forms reproduced so that they would have the DNA for the hazards they'd face later on down through the years so that life would flourish on this planet until he decided. We've heard how freshwater fish may have survived the flood by living in temporary freshwater pools or more so by their ability to regulate their salt intake. But Dr. Cummings says there's another way that needs to be considered. The flood was an unusual event, and I would suspect that it probably required supernatural activity on the part of God to superintend the unusual events. And why do I say that? Because, first of all, the disturbance of such a catastrophe as a worldwide flood certainly would have stirred up lots of suspended sediment in the water, which means the light going into the water would have affected plant photosynthesis. And tremendous currents in the bodies of water would, would have uh, been very abrasive to the fishes. And uh, then also the likelihood of the fish being able to find food during that time would have been seriously affected. So it appears that God's intervention was necessary to preserve oceanic life during the flood. So one has to say, how could freshwater fishes have survived in such a turbulent period, several months? all the way up to a year in this unusual circumstance. I'd have to say that would seem to require providence, that God provided for, for the fishes and the kinds to be able to survive through that uh, tremendous worldwide flood. One such example of providential care that we see in Scripture is found in the 21st chapter of the book of John. Here we see Jesus on the seashore after his resurrection. The disciples were not catching many fish on the Sea of Galilee, Yet, Jesus gave them instruction to fish on a, another side of the boat in a certain area, and they caught more than they could imagine, even though they'd been fishing all night and caught nothing. And Dr. Cummings says that as with the survival of freshwater fish during the flood, this draught of fishes can be explained naturally or supernaturally. I've seen those accumulations on the Sea of Galilee firsthand, and when the tilapia, that's that special fish which is in the Sea of Galilee is aggregated in special locations. They're very dense. They're schooled up very tight and it would be very interesting or easy to catch uh, a large catch if you knew what you were doing or you could come upon them at the right time. So practically or naturally I could explain the huge catch but supernaturally I'd also consider that God provided through Jesus Christ, the provision of that unusually large catch for the disciples as a teaching lesson. So it's clear to see that God is in control and even commanded what happened during the flood. Providence would seem to be a major part in the provision of getting through the cataclysm that we call the flood. Even though there are other provisions, physiological and other ways in which uh, fishes can survive through very serious problems that they come up against. Perhaps it's a combination of both, both uh, God's adaptation, design that he put into the fishes, as well as his providence to see to it that the witness was there after the events were over. Seeing God's provision and care for freshwater fish and all of his creation helps us to appreciate the Lord and his goodness even more. Dr. England. That tells us that he's a very gracious creator. He looks ahead. He knows what's coming. We don't. Many times we fear developments. 
when we see the news, we sometimes get very anxious. But God knows what's ahead on all of this, everything. And if he'll do it for the fish, he'll certainly do it for us. And we can take comfort that he's already made provision. He knows what our needs are. And the things that we don't even know to pray for today, he's already taken care of. So there's a great comfort in that. And it's a blessing to know that despite the fact that we don't fully understand God, he's still there for us. Even though we can't fathom the vastness of the ocean, it doesn't mean it's not there. It is there, and it's very real. And likewise, we have trouble as humans fathoming the vastness of God's grace and his foreknowledge. We can't really comprehend it, but it doesn't mean it's not there. And I think if you'll care for the fish, you'll certainly care for us in even greater ways. As our program comes to a close, we hope that you've been encouraged. It's our desire at ICR to show that the Bible can be trusted, both historically and scientifically, and to give facts that will build your faith. As Christians, we need to understand the scientific basis for our beliefs. We pray that this program will aid you in your discovery of science and the Bible. You know, most people aren't aware that today there are thousands of scientists that are convinced of the truth of biblical creation and not evolution. Our non-denominational ministry aims to restore and strengthen the Genesis foundations of the Christian faith. If you've enjoyed today's edition of Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, why not visit us on the web to find out more about the work of ICR. The address is www.icr.org. Again, www.icr.org. Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a Creation Radio Journal, is a production of ICR. For the Institute for Creation Research, I'm Chris O'Brien. Thanks for tuning in.